Let's take our Bibles. We're going to go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to be dealing with the subject tonight. Of course, this is our missions emphasis month. And so throughout the month, uh, we're trying to highlight some uh, different areas in which uh, we can be involved as a church and as individual members of a church in uh, the spread of the gospel around the world, the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Of course, the Lord told us as, as a church, He gave that commission to His church to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. And uh, tonight, I'm going to be looking at a subject, and I don't know how preachy I'll get tonight. But you never know. I might just get a wild hair and go for it. But um, tonight, what I really want to do is... Um, Just take some time and and look at the subject of what we would call faith promise missions giving and explain basically what it is and why we practice faith promise. Um, For those of you who maybe are not aware, I think most of you are, but the way that we support missions as an independent church is that we partner together with other churches of like faith and, uh, and support missionaries that are sent out of various churches to go to different parts of the world and preach the gospel and plant churches and things of that nature. And so when we take them on for support, we commit to uh, sending a, a monthly donation to their ministry, a monthly gift, and, uh, and that's funded by special offerings that are given by the members of the church and uh, money that is designated for missions giving. And so as part of that, years ago, I don't know exactly when the church began practicing faith promise uh, missions giving, but, uh, but it was instituted here that the way that, that that missions fund would be funded was through uh, faith promise commitments. And basically the way that faith promise commitments work is you are encouraged as individuals uh, to be prayerful and seeking the Lord's direction about your commitment in uh, missions giving in the upcoming year. And, uh, and as you pray about that and seek the Lord's leadership in your life, you actually make that commitment. Okay, I'm going to give X amount of dollars every week or every month uh, to the missions program of Mount Zion Baptist Church so that we can fund uh, these, these various ministries. Now, I want to explain for a moment something that I think uh, just needs to be clarified because there are people that uh, act as though faith promise missions giving is the only biblical way to do missions. And it's not. It's not the only way. There are plenty of churches out there that do things differently than that, and that's totally fine. And there are other people who go so far as to say, well, faith promise is not even a biblical concept. And to them I would say, mm, yes and no, you may be correct uh, to some degree, but, but not necessarily all the way. There are some biblical principles that we follow uh, and in, in our faith promise giving. And I think that you'll see as we go through this tonight, even why there is some biblical precedent for the concept of faith promise missions giving. So we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And in this passage, actually both chapter 8 and chapter 9, Paul is admonishing uh, the church at Corinth and encouraging them to to be faithful in giving. Specifically, there was a a time in which the 
uh, Christians that were in Jerusalem uh, had come fallen on hard times. There was a, a, a drought and really a famine that had taken place. And these people living within the city of Jerusalem uh, were, were really struggling. And so other churches were, were taking up offerings and sending them back to Jerusalem. This happened a few different times, actually, uh, throughout the New Testament. And, uh, and, and it's interesting, it was the churches that had benefited from the church of Jerusalem. The church of Jerusalem is where it all started and it spread from there. And so these churches that are giving to them are those that are that really owe them their lives. You know, okay, you brought the gospel to us and we're going to supply you with some uh, some physical things. And so there's an offering that's going to be taken and, and Paul is saying basically we're going to come back and pass through uh, uh, Corinth on our way to Jerusalem and when we do that... Uh, we expect you to have an offering. And the reason that they expected them to have an offering to give was because that was their, the desire of the church. And he's going to give them some instructions in, in chapter 9 as to how they ought to go about preparing this offering. So if you're there in 2 Corinthians 9, let's stand together and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 1, it says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for, for which I boast of you to them, that are, uh, to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, ye may be ready." Lest haply, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. You might look at that and say, well, what exactly is he talking about? Well, apparently, somehow it had been communicated to him that the church of Corinth was really on board with this idea of giving an offering uh, to the, the saints at Jerusalem. And, and now, actually gone and told other churches, hey, listen, the church at, at Corinth, they're on board about this. I mean, they, they are really going to do this. And now he's saying, um, please don't make me eat my words. When, you come, when I come back, uh, I'm really hopeful for your sakes. He says, we, that I say not ye. I, I don't want to be embarrassed in that I told all these other churches that you are going to give if you don't. But I don't want you to be embarrassed either. Your example of your zeal and your forwardness, your desire to do this, has provoked other people. But now it's time for you to fulfill that. That's what he's saying. So verse number 5 Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness." being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. 
Uh, thank you for standing. You can be seated. So again, he's, he's t- telling them about this, this offering, and he's saying to them, okay, I want to... Um, I know that you were very zealous when, when, this, when this concept was presented to you. You were excited about the privilege of being able to get on board and give to these poor saints at Jerusalem. And I've taken that message now to other churches and other churches have gotten on board and they've given. And we're about to come passing through. And just so that you're not caught off guard, I want you to begin preparing to give an offering. I want you to be, uh, begin to prepare and be ready and so that, that offering is ready. And really he kind of describes here in this passage as well as some others that we're going to look at tonight that there's a description of, of something similar to what we would consider to be faith promise giving. Okay, And so I want to just, uh, as we kind of walk through this, I want to consider some things that are stated here as well as other passages as to why we practice faith promise giving. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, uh, that he says in verse number 6, he says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now, in other words, what he's saying is this, that anything you give to to this particular cause is worthwhile and it's worthy, but I, I would like to see you really give abundantly because... To some degree, in what measure you give, it's going to be measured to you again. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. And and I would say to us as a church tonight, you know, we, we have the opportunity to be involved in missions giving, and we do that. And I think most of you are faithful in that, and you ought to be. But can I just say that maybe we should consider the fact that the more that we give and the more that we do, the greater the blessing is that we're, I mean, the greater involvement we're able to have. Um, as, as you think of that, this, this concept, it is a biblical concept, but it's been so twisted uh, that I think, honestly, Bible believers are a little bit afraid to even touch the subject because there's the health and wealth gospel out there. And you'll hear those preachers on TV that'll say, you know, if you'll just sow a seed of faith, uh, you, you send my ministry $50 and God's going to give you $500. But if you'll sow a bigger seed of faith and you send $500, then God's going to give you $5,000 or whatever the case is. But you understand that that's not what the Bible teaches. However, one of the things the Bible does teach is that as you give, the Lord takes care of your needs. And the more that you give, the more God takes care of your needs. It's just, it, it, it is a reality. And so hold your place here in 2 Corinthians and go with me, if you would, to the book of Luke and chapter number 6. And this is what, how Jesus said it in, in Luke chapter 6 and in verse number 38. He says in Luke six thirty-eight, he says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, And shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, with all shall it be measured to you again. Now, again, he he doesn't say, if you give X, God's going to give to you a hundredfold. But he does say, with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And many of you could, could give testimonies, and I know I can give testimonies, of the fact 
that there have been times that the Lord has led us to sacrifice and, and really to give in a way that kind of stretches our faith. Have you ever experienced this? And then it's like the Lord immediately turns around and solves that issue. And, and again, as we talk about uh, these things, and, and I, this is not a guarantee that this is exactly how God is going to provide for your needs, but there have been times that personally between my wife and I, we, we've made a faith promise commitment, and we did it because we believe this is what God wanted us to do, not really 100% sure how God was going to provide that or, or, or what we were going to have to cut or sacrifice to make this happen. And as soon as we made that commitment, the Lord increased our, our ability, like giving me a, a raise that was equal to the amount that we had committed to give. You know, I mean, I'm just saying that God has a way of providing, right? That's all, that's all I'm saying. God provides for us, and the reality is that you're not going to outgive God. Uh, you're not going to give beyond God's provision. And so with that being said, that really kind of comes back to the, the faith exercise of our giving where we're trusting God to provide for our needs. So when we look at the need, we know that God has given us a commandment that we are to be involved in the spread of the gospel around the world and giving financially is a tangible way to do that. But some of us have to say, well, man, it's kind of tough to get by out there. I mean, we're kind of scraping by to make ends meet because you know, inflation and, and whatever else. And so I'm not really sure how well I can be involved. And I, and I just want to say to you, you know, uh, Malachi chapter 3, what did, what did the Lord say to his people? He said, prove me now herewith. I mean, it really, put, put God to the test. And I, and, and I really believe, according to the word of God, he's going to provide for your needs. He's going to provide for your needs. I'm not encouraging you to be foolish or, 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 or to be ridiculous or anything like that. But I am saying you can trust God and you're not going to outgive God. And in Acts chapter 20, the Bible says that the words of the Lord Jesus were that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And, and it truly is, as we, as we uh, exercise this and, and give to the Lord, uh, it's, it's encouraging, it's a blessing to see how He provides for us and how He uses our gifts. Uh, personally, the more that I give to missions, the more interested I am in what's going on with our missionaries. I mean, after all, I've made a bigger investment, you know? I'm going to tell you a secret, and this is not a stock tip, this isn't anything like that, but uh, a few years ago, I made an investment in Bitcoin. You know how much Bitcoin has grown over the recent years? I put, probably three years ago, $5 into Bitcoin, and today... It's worth almost $6. But I'll tell you this. If I would have put $500 or $5,000 into Bitcoin in about 2012, 2013, you wouldn't have to be paying me a salary today. Now, here's the, I'm not telling you to go invest in Bitcoin. Please, please don't do that, okay? Please don't do that. But here's what I'm saying. Sometimes the, the return is in proportion to the investment. And if we really want to be involved in 
the spread of the gospel, and we say, well, one of the ways I can do that is through giving financially. The more that you participate and the more involved you are, the more that you are going to not only be interested in what's going on, but the more that you're going to be really rewarded for, for what, I mean, it, it, this is the investment that you're making, and the, the outcome, the fruit of that uh, is, is in measure, you know, to, to, to your sacrifice and your commitment. So, I'm just simply saying, don't, don't ever fear to give bountifully to the Lord. Because he's able to take care of your needs. And, and it's, it's very worthwhile. So why do, we, why do we practice faith promise giving as opposed to other kinds? Let me just say, first of all, because it's an exercise in faith. It really is an exercise in faith. So verse number 7, it says, Every man, as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. So when we, in, in a couple of weeks here, we'll be passing out faith promise commitment cards and, and encouraging you to really pray and seek the Lord. What, Lord, what would you have me to give? And then as you do that, you make that commitment to the Lord. I'm going to give X amount. You then act upon that in faith, right? You, you, you exercise, you're carrying out what you believe God has led you to do. That is an act of faith. Notice those words in verse number 7. Every man as he, according as he purposeth in his heart. Now listen, I do not want you to give just simply based on, okay, this is what I think I should do, or this is what I think I can do. What I really want to encourage you, I really want to encourage you to be involved in faith promise, but it starts with faith, and whatsoever is not of faith is sin, but faith is not just simply, I'm going to jump off this cliff and trust that God's going to catch me, is it? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is acting upon what God has revealed for us to do. And so what I am asking you to do is sincerely over the next couple of weeks be in prayer with the Lord and saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? I'm not asking you to, to, to come up with some crazy number in your mind. I'm asking you to seek the Lord and, and really seek his leadership in your life. It begins with seeking God's will and then purposing in your heart that you're going to do what God has led you to do. That You're going to diligently seek the Lord's will in this. Now, I believe that this is the most important exercise in faith promise giving. It's an exercise in which you have to actually seek the Lord and seek his leadership in your life. And this is so good. Because you, you, you ought not simply follow my faith. You are to follow my faith, but that's not all you need to do. You need to follow your faith. You, you need to follow the Lord and seek his will in your life. And this is an area in which you can do that. It's great to have good intentions, but it's, it's much better, and that's what he's talking about. You know, it, it, as touching the ministering to the saints, it's superfluous for me to write unto you. I know that you have a desire to, to please the Lord in this area and giving to the brethren, but now it's time for you to actually seek God's will and then put feet to what he leads you to do and purpose in your heart to follow him by faith. And folks, I, I just want to say, if you have not been... If you've not been participating in faith promise giving, I, I really believe this is an area you're missing out. You're missing out on an opportunity to exercise faith in your life. 
to, to exercise what it means to seek the Lord, to seek His direction, and then purpose to follow in that. And so it's an exercise in faith because it begins with seeking God's will and then it causes you to trust His provision. Because verse number 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Verse number 10, Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So what's he saying? He's saying, if you will endeavor to do this, Not only am I confident that God is going to provide for your needs, but he's also going to take the gift that you give and he's going to add his blessing to it and he's going to bless that gift itself and the result of that is that you're going to grow in righteousness, that you're going to grow in your faith. And so this is is more than just our money that God is after. What he's really looking for is for us to trust him in an area that's very precious to, to us and to learn that God provides and that God uses me in this way. And the outcome of that is that I am going to grow in grace. Please understand, I am not. I am not simply saying give as much as is humanly possible. And and I've heard preachers say that. Well, can't you stretch it just a little bit more? Can't you do just a little bit more? Just just, Just add 10 more dollars and buy faith. No, no, no. Listen, I'm not saying that. I don't want you. I've I've even heard preachers get up and say, you know, you ought to write a check that's more than what's in your bank account and trust that God is going to provide and fill it. You know, listen, I do not want any of your checks bouncing, especially checks to Mount Zion. That's not faith, folks. That's foolishness. But I would rather that you would be willing to pray and truly seek the Lord. Lord, what would you have me to do? How can I be involved? Notice he says that we are to give, verse number 7, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. I do not want you to make a commitment to the Lord that's just on a whim or based on emotion, and then six months down the road you regret that decision, and every week as you're cutting the check, you're like, man, why did I, why did I say I was going to do that? I don't want you to do that. God loves a cheerful giver. And you're only going to be able to give cheerfully if you can give knowing, listen, this is what God wants me to do, this is what he's led me to do, and this is how he's going to provide for this. Now let me say this also. How does God provide for our needs? There's, there might be more ways than this, but, but there, are, there are three basic ways in which I've seen the Lord provide extra so that we can give more. Okay, um, One is, and I mentioned it a moment ago, an increase in our income. And, and that's a possibility. Sometimes God does that. Sometimes you get a raise at work or you'll get a, an extra stream of income coming in or uh, whatever the case is. And, and that can be a real blessing and God can do that. Now, am I saying, hey, you know what? If you give an extra $100 a month that God's going to increase your income by more than that? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying God can do that. It's within his ability to do that. It's God that provides seed for the sower, right? It, it, God's our provider and he can do whatever he wants to do. Sometimes he provides uh, in an increase in our income. Sometimes he provides through a decrease in our outgo. And did you know God's able to do that? In Malachi chapter 3, you know what he said? He said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. 
How many of you have ever experienced the devourer of your finances? Man, I worked overtime this week and I got a bigger paycheck. Yes, what, I'm gonna, what am I going to do with this? And then on your way home, <laughs> tire blows on the car. No, there goes the extra, right? The washing machine goes out or I got to buy a new stove or the kid needs braces or whatever the case is. A doctor bill comes up and pretty soon it's like, it's like no matter what you do, <laughs> in, in Haggai, God said you're... You, you, you know, he, he, that, he that earneth wages, earneth it to put it, puts it in a bag with holes. You ever felt that way? Where did it go? It's got holes in the bottom of it. Did you know that God's able to fix that? God can do that. God can make the tires last a little bit longer. I'm not saying he's going to. I'm just saying he can. He can make that car run a little bit longer. He can make those clothes last a little longer. He did that for the children of Israel. You know, 40 years in the wilderness, and God said, your clothes never waxed old on you. They were wearing the same shoes, ladies, for 40 years. 40 years. And they held up. They worked. Now, listen, out in a dry desert... <laughs> That was a miracle of God, okay? That was just God's provision, God taking care of them. But, but I'm simply saying, again, I'm not saying that your clothes are going to last you 40 years. I'm not saying that. So here's what I'm saying. God is able to provide for your needs. And sometimes he does it by increasing your income. And sometimes he does it by decreasing your outgo. But you know what I have found most of the time? Most of the time. When it comes to increasing my faith in giving... God provides by showing me an area in my life where I can sacrifice something. Something that I can let go of that's not necessarily a need, but something that I can give up. So I'll give you, here's a personal testimony. We moved to Texas in 2011, and um, I determined, because, you know, I can't honestly say that it was God's will, okay? But I determined, here's why. I love the Green Bay Packers, all right? I just, I do. It's, it's a fault of mine, I guess. But I, I love to watch Packer games. Now, I don't typically watch football on Sundays, especially on Sunday afternoons between services. It's just not good for my spiritual state. <laughs> especially if the Packers lose. Man, it makes it hard to preach Sunday night, I'll tell you. So here's what I did. We moved to Texas, and I got DirecTV with NFL Sunday ticket. I could watch every game every week. And it had uh, a DVR built in. So I would, Saturday, I'd go in, I'd record, I would set to record three or four games that I wanted to watch. Now, I didn't usually watch them all, but I'd set to record these games, and then Usually the Packer game, Sunday night after church, I'd come home and have a little time with the family. I'd sit down, and I'd spend 45 minutes watching the game. Fast forward all the commercials, everything. It was just kind of a nice thing. And then maybe once or twice during the week, I'd sit down and, and hit some highlights of another game. Okay. I enjoyed that. I got to hear I'm living out of state, out of Martin. None, none of my games are televised, but I'm able to watch these games. Well, then one year, missions conference comes around, and I'm preaching on faith promise giving and that kind of thing and honestly we're looking at our budget and going mm, we just don't have much extra to give 
We just don't have much extra to give. And then I looked over, and I thought, man, I'm spending way too much money on this thing. I'm not watching. I'm not, the only thing I have it for is for one game a week. And you know what? If I give up a game a week, it's not the end of the world, right? And I'm, just, I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm just saying, for us, it was clear to me. <laughs> it was like God was saying to me, uh, son, if you'll just sacrifice this, how many Bibles could that buy for these missionaries over here, right? How, how, how much would that affect maybe even the church being able to take on another missionary if you would just let go of that? And, and, and I'm just saying, I, I was under the conviction of, I could never enjoy another game on that thing. Because I knew what it was costing. Like, not just financially, but spiritually, I don't, I don't, this, this is not as important as this, right? So, we got rid of it. And we got rid of it, and we took that money, and we, that was what we gave extra. I'm just saying that sometimes it's not like, okay, God, give me a raise at work, and I'll give to you, or make the car, you know, run for 25,000 miles between oil changes. That's not the idea. The idea is simply, Lord, what can I give, and even what would you have me to sacrifice? What things do I need to give up? What things do I need to change about my life so that, so that I can be more involved? And, 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 and I want to do so cheerfully. I want to do it in the way that pleases you. And so it really is an exercise in faith because it causes us as individuals to not simply say, okay, Lord, what do you want our church to do? But Lord, what do you want me to do? How, how do you want me to adjust my life so that I can be more involved in your work. And then, let me also say this, most of the time, faith promise giving increases. It increases our involvement in the Lord's work. So it's interesting to me that in the beginning of this chapter, he says in verse number 2, "...for I know the forwardness of your mind..." For which I boast of you to them of Macedonia that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. I know that you want to do this thing. But then he says in verse number 3, Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready, lest haply if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that we say not ye should be ashamed in the same confident boasting. In other words, I know that you want to be involved, but it's very possible that if you don't put some intentionality into this, that you're actually not going to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Maybe you've experienced this before, but usually things that are done without intentionality don't get done. Um, you know, I really ought to start putting aside some money for retirement. So I'll do that with whatever's left over at the end of the month. How does that work usually? <laughs> it doesn't, right? If you're going to save for retirement, that's got to be one of the first things that you do. You've got to make it a priority. Because a lot of times, money just kind of goes. I really think I ought to give to missions, and with whatever else I've got left over at the end of the month, then I'll, I'll do that. And the end of the year comes around, and it's like, man, I haven't really done all that much because I kind of didn't make that a priority. And so 
in this, he's saying, listen, you, you've set forth with this desire to, to give to the brethren there in Jerusalem, but I'm just, I, I want to encourage you to put some intentionality and some purpose into this thing so that it actually gets done. Now, folks, let me, let me just say this and, and even ask the question, how much more could we as a church do for missions? If all of us just made this a priority, this is something that we are going to do. By God's grace, we know that this is something we should do. This is part of the commandment to be involved in this. And so uh, if we were to set our minds to that, if we were to set our hearts to that and with intentionality uh, carry this out, how much could that increase even our giving? Is it possible that we could potentially support the missionaries that we have at a higher amount that would help uh, offset some of their struggles because of things like inf- inflation and, 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 and uh, expenses that have gone up? Or um, is it possible that we'd be able to take on more missionaries for support? I don't know what God could do. I'm just saying I, I believe that if we will really put this to the test, that we could grow in this area. Now, I'm not, I am not in any way rebuking anyone. I'm not trying to step on toes or anything. But I, was, I noticed last year, uh, we took up faith promise commitments. And honestly, um, the amount that was being given every month was pretty good. I mean, it was, it was more than meeting the needs of the missionaries we had. And we even just recently voted to increase the support of the ones that we do support and things. And that's a blessing. But then we took up our faith promise commitments and my heart stopped a little bit. Let me tell you why. Because the commitment cards that came in um, were far less than what we had been giving. And so I thought, man, I mean, is this... this, is this going to affect our giving? Are people, you know, not, not giving as much? You know, what, what's the deal here? Well, over the course of the year, I've seen our missions giving has stayed about the same. And we've far exceeded what was committed through faith promise. But here's what that tells me. Okay, it, it tells me that one of two things. Either there are people who are participating in faith promise giving, but they just haven't submitted their commitments so that we can plan, or there are people who are giving to missions, but not really on board with faith promise giving. Now, that's between you and God, okay? I'm not, but but here's what I want to say. If if we as a church are doing this, I believe that we could do more. I believe we could do more if everyone would just get on board with that and just say, you know what, this is is how our church is participating in missions giving, and I want to be a part of that. And by the way, everyone can have a part in this. You might say, well, I'm on a fixed income. You know, I'm, I'm getting Social Security. I understand. But, you know, even kids could be involved in this. Even kids could be involved in this. It may not be much. But, I mean, the kids who have a way of earning a little bit extra, hey, if I go mow my neighbor's lawn or if I, I don't know, take out the trash and get an allowance or whatever, I'm going to take some of that and give it to the Lord. This is a way that everybody can get involved and helps us to give, really, with purpose of heart. Verse number 7. Every man, as he purposeth in his heart, uh, so let him give. And so it's, it really it, it increases our faith. It's an exercise of faith. It increases our involvement. And then let me say this also. It's, uh, it's practical. 
Why is it practical? Well, go back with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. And notice what it says. Romans 16, I I wrote down the wrong verse, so you're going to have to forgive me for a second as I look for this, okay? Uh, But I want to show you that this is practical because uh, it really is a a system in which we can uh, give to the Lord uh, that which we have purposed in our hearts, okay? And so let me just look for this verse, I'm sorry. So we're in Romans, and I'm sorry, that's my problem. It's not Romans 16, it's 1 Corinthians 16. That was my problem. 1 Corinthians 16, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. 1 Corinthians 16, verse number 1. Now concerning, now concerning the collection for the saints... As I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. So again, he's talking about the same offering. And then he says this, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So here's the practical instruction. He says, okay, when I come, and we're going to take this this offering and carry it to Jerusalem, rather than taking up multiple offerings and just trying to, here's what I want you to do. Every week, on the first day of the week, as God's prospered, I want, to just, I want you to just set some money aside each week, set some money aside, so when that time comes, that one-time offering, you're going to have it to give. Now, if we would just participate in that, we say, you know what, each week, On the first day of the week, Sunday, we come to church. I'm going to take a portion of how the Lord has prospered me, and I'm just going to set it aside for missions. I'm just going to give it to world missions. And what happens? Well, by the end of the year, we've given quite significantly to missions. And so this is really a practical system. It it allows us to be, uh, as a church, to kind of get a picture of how the Lord might use our church and work in our church and and even to know, okay, how many missionaries can we support and at what amounts and what special projects can we be involved in and all those types of things. And it just is an opportunity for you to say, you know what, I want to be part of what God is doing at Mount Zion Baptist Church in our missions program. And so, again, I don't want you to take this to say, well, this is the only biblical way to support missions, but I do believe that it's a good way. And the reason I believe it's a good way, it increases your faith. It's an exercise in faith. It helps to get everybody involved. It enables us to do more. And it's actually a very practical system for being able to support missionaries. So may I just encourage you, if you've never participated in faith promise giving, why don't you try? Over the next couple of weeks, I want to ask you to pray And truly seek the Lord's will and say, Lord, what would you have me to do to be involved in our missions giving in the upcoming year? And and just see if the Lord doesn't lead you uh, to do something, all right, to be involved in that way.